I'll tell you one thing, Damon. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I wish that was the first time you said that to me. <laughs> Out as an idiot. This is the podcast where we revisit things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name is DJ, and my name is Damon. Welcome to the show, Damon. <laughs> thank, thank you as for if, having me. As if you were not an equal part. Thank you. I want except to, I did wa- sit here quietly and watch you set up the audio track for this. So I want you not, to feel not welcomed, but your contributions diminished. <laughs> I always feel like that. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, today we are talking about Batman sometimes. No, no, that doesn't sound right. Batman occasionally. A Batman, I want to say intermittently? No. <laughs> Batman forever. Forever. This is a movie. <laughs> you're 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 batting a thousand. Keep well, going. You know, we we skipped we skipped a Batman, if we're being honest, because this is kind of in line with the... It's not a Michael Keaton Batman, because we we are now on to Val, Val Kilmer. But we did skip Batman Returns. We'll come. We'll do that someday. We just didn't feel like it. <laughs> Let me tell you why I wanted to do this movie as soon as you said it today. Okay. <laughs> I recently read it in, uh, a quote from Jim Carrey about the first time he met Tommy Lee Jones. So Jim Carrey plays the Riddler in this movie. Tommy Lee Jones plays Two-Face. It's... Fucking ridiculous on both accounts, but <laughs> this was the around the height of Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. This is 1995, so he would have been like breakout star, yes. starting to make 20 million dollars. I think this was like the first. I think there were a lot of reports about him in this movie because it was a very big paycheck, maybe yeah. his biggest paycheck. And apparently, the the story goes, according to Jim Carrey, that he saw, like, he found out that Tommy Lee Jones was in a restaurant. They had just found out they were doing this movie together. So he goes to say hello. And, Professional. Yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones says, I fucking hate you or something like that. And he <laughs> said, he sits down and Jim Carrey sits down and says, what's going on, man? Which you can imagine him doing. I can imagine. I don't and know I can him, imagine but... myself as Tommy Lee Jones. Like now you're sitting down. You're only making this worse. <laughs> he just says, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> Let me make sure I get that quote right. No, I feel like you're very close because I remember hearing it and thinking, is Tommy Lee Jones like a Lord from 18th century England? Yeah. And it's that I was right. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. And I, I bet uh, his wife, though, was really happy she got him that word of the day calendar. <laughs> she was going to get far side. But, but she's like, you know what? He's always talked about his vocabulary. Let me just get TLJ this, he, which is something his wife calls him TLJ, for some reason. Yeah. Well, you know, we do. So. Oh, yeah. And we are very close We're to very Tommy close Lee Jones' wife. To Rashida Jones' wife. <laughs> Um, Rashida Lee Jones. She took both. Names. Sure. Yeah, of course. RLJ. <laughs> um, do you see this when I came out? I did. Um, I remember, uh, I think I was like my brain as a sponge was just absorbing whatever film criticism I was reading at the time and being mm. like, yeah, Batman Returns was too dark. Yeah. They should return to the more lighthearted, you know, feeling of, the 60s show no the first the first one with jack nicholson okay Uh, because i mean batman returns is like 
all in shades of gray. Like making it a black and white movie would not be a huge feat. I mean, he still um, has penguins with rockets taped to them, right? I mean, that's not what I mean by, I mean, I literally is a dark movie. Oh, like okay. it is like a very drab, muddy, gotcha. kind of okay. gross. So not like the later movie. Batman, like gritty, right. dark. You mean like literally. Yes. Dark. Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, well, they and definitely went the other direction with this. They one. definitely did. And at least I remember, with Jim Carrey's costume. <laughs> I remember seeing this and enjoying it at the time. Yeah. My hatred probably became retroactive after seeing Batman and Robin, the infamous Batman and Robin. Right. Um, and then like watching this again with sort of like new eyes, sort yeah. of like how the Star Wars prequels sort of in my mind, at least slightly taint the original. Yes. I'm like, yeah. oh, Batman and Robin. Okay. This is also shit. I see yeah. exactly what went wrong. If only I could have spotted it at the time. Had I but known. Yeah, I had a very similar experience because I loved, you know, still being a, a comic book nerd. Like, and I wasn't when the first bat, I was too young when the, to like have gotten into comic books yet for me, at least, uh, for the first Batman, but by about Batman returns, I was like starting to maybe get into it. But definitely by this point, by the time Batman forever came out, I was like full in comic books. So I loved this movie. I thought it was great. Um, I remember liking the first two as well of the, the, uh, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton era, but, um, it wasn't until same thing when Batman and Robin came out. And then I was like, well, this is actively bad. Right. And then later, like, not that long after seeing Batman Forever again, and maybe this wasn't great either. I wasn't like full on rejecting it, but I was like, oh, I can see how we chose a road diverged in the woods. <laughs> yes. And Robert Frost took- <laughs> watching Batman Forever. Go on. That famous poem he wrote after seeing it. Yes. And we went squarely down the cartoonish path. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the whole Nolan trilogy is kind of the the other way. They like right. – it's a rejection of the Batman and Robin path, which good, good on you. I guess. To an extent. I mean we can talk about that sometime. But like it, is, it, is, it has its own issues. But like and it's not – I don't not- want people listening to hear my I guess and say I don't like the, those movies. But – they started a whole thing. I had a whole yeah. conversation in my head, which was like Christopher Nolan saying, I want to do a realistic Batman. And then yeah. someone else going, but the character is inherently ridiculous. Yeah. And the idea of a realistic vigilante superhero playboy who dresses literally as a bat. Yeah. And cavorts around the city battling clowns and scarecrow men who are also in a secret ninja clan as the realistic Batman probably doesn't bode well for Batman forever. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there is a, like, a, and this is the kind of eternal struggle of the, of the comic book movie, right. Of the, or any kind of thing like this, of the superhero movie is like, you can kind of set your own rules within the movie or series of movies in the case of, you know, the extended universes or whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, Inherently, you have to make a choice because it is it is a it's not a in most in the case of most comic books, unless you're talking about uh, a different like a graphic novel that's like set out more like real life. Like Watchmen is still kind of ridiculous. Right. Just the premise because it's the thing that doesn't exist. But they went like as as realistic as you can kind of get getting into the politics of the world and sure. stuff. And then I'm not talking about so much Watchmen, the movie, but Watchmen, the uh, the comic series or the graphic novel. But if you get into like Batman has to make that choice, like when you make a Batman movie, you're like, OK, is this going to be Adam West? Like ridiculous, which was already a send up of, 
you know, right. of the Batman. It was kind of like a, a jokey way to take it, and, which is fine. But you have to kind of set your own rules within the. Are we doing food. Calendar Man in this right. Batman exactly? Series? Like how far down this? And I, that's always the thing with comic books is you've had however many decades of different people writing this in so many different ways, especially a hugely popular character. Not to like mention Batman. like. Hayes codes saying that you can't right you know comics codes saying that you can't do certain things so then batman becomes really kind of goofy and silly yeah well by yeah if you if and then frank miller comes along and says what if a 15 year old boy wrote it (laughs) (laughs) just read atlas shrugged for the first time um well, it's yeah, because it's like you – it'd be like saying you can make a Batman movie, but it has to be G-rated. You know, like right. you're like kind of handcuffing it to a certain type of thing. And it doesn't mean you can't make it good. It just you have to like live within this certain sandbox. And so I feel like Batman Forever is maybe the first step into the more campy thing. Oh, let's be honest. The Tim Burton ones are campy too. Yeah, but they they're are just, different. It's just a different kind yeah. of thing. So, I mean, I, I don't think – inherently that it's bad to go this direction the more colorful colorful more like true to the comic books of the uh of yesteryear kind of thing yeah. but then batman and robin is like this is a bad movie so it kind of does it's not just that you made it shiny and colorful it's just that you made it stupid yeah and people weren't kind of necessarily there so this one i think maybe is a step in between and will be interesting to see how it stacks up i have not seen this in years i have seen pieces of it I remember, and I'm not going to say anything about it. I remember Tommy Lee Jones being, as Two Face, being more ridiculous in retrospect than I realized at the time because Jim Carrey is expectedly ridiculous, and right? And Tommy Lee Jones is playing, you know, the two sides of the same character kind of thing, and he's going all out on the crazy side. If it, I remember, they both wanted to be Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Right. I feel like I'm excited to see uh, the cane tricks because I remember those being cool that Jim Carrey does a bunch of things with his cane. If I'm we like, all know something about the Riddler, it's that he has a cane and he spins it. <laughs> what? We're sending you to cane well, trick he, school? Yeah, didn't he like go? Yeah, like, he really? went to cane trick school. <laughs> also, there's a cane trick school? Guys, maybe do a third pass on the script. <laughs> Take that money, spend it on A, craft services, because this is shit. What are these ham sandwiches? <laughs> Why is it butter instead of mayonnaise? Um, okay, so we're going to watch Batman Forever. You can find it on, I don't know, Amazon is where we're going to get it because it's easy. Uh, but you can find it on a different thing. So that's of the recording. But Just sort of mutter, mutter it if you want. Just sort of mutter where they could get it. Watch along with us. We'll be right back. Why do I have to come up with it? Just because I never come up with it? <laughs> We just pretend like we're talking off mic about it. So, I mean, I'm so grateful for our patrons. They help us, you know, keep making this podcast and uh, help, you know, defray some of the costs of, of putting this out there. And it's so nice. And, you know, I feel like it's a benefit for them, too. <laughs> uh-huh. they, they get to, you know, be, you know, participate in the creation uh, of this podcast. They get to be, you know, uh, featured in the credits or the written credits, you know, and they, you know, uh, they can get drawings from you. They can get songs from me. They just a part. They're very much a part of the whole creation of this podcast. I'm sorry to interrupt. Can we define some terms first? Yeah. When you're saying patrons, yeah, are you talking about people that go to Patreon.com/slash Your Inner Child Is an Idiot? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, then, okay. I just wanted they, to be sure. They, following that, they sign up there for any number of different levels. As you know, that's my favorite uh, exposition technique. As you know, right. I'm going to speak. For I do 20 know. Minutes. Please go on and tell me though. <laughs> Uh, we're so thankful for them. So um, 
I guess we should do uh, some sort of commercial for that, but I don't know what else I, to Look, say. I got to get out of here, so we don't have time for this. Okay. Next time. Yeah. Let's just talk about that movie we watched this week. Damon, did you know that when it snows, my yeah bat suit uh, <laughs> eyes? I'm still eyes. trying to figure out how the, that song ties into. I mean, I know it was featured on the soundtrack for Batman, but I mean, why? I mean, look, I know you're not an English writing major like I was. Absolutely not. But do you remember the scene where I wanted to Nicole make came in? at least one dollar from my degree? Nicole, that's came why in. I studied music. <laughs> Nicole Kidman is sitting there, and what's behind her? A vase full of roses. Oh! Now, what's Bruce Wayne, like, keep flashing back to throughout the movie? His parents' horrific death in front of him. Exactly. And when people die, where do we put them? In In a... In a... Rose garden. In a a grave. It's sealed. They're sealed shut. We seal them in a sarcophagus in a grave. We kiss kiss them by a rose. Show of hands. Anybody who has dead relatives, how many of them are buried in a sarcophagus? Look, as Ramses III, (laughs) I feel like I can speak with some authority here. Bruce Wayne. Pharaoh Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Okay, so we watched Batman Forever. I have this movie is a little bonker, so I realized that I was I was like, as uh, we were in the third act, I was like, and watching it, I was like, recapping this is going to be a little crazy. So I I decided to kind of put some bullet points here. Riddler and Two Face terrorize the city, and uh, Batman stops them, and uh, meets both a heteronormative partner and a heteros no homonormative partner along the way. A homonormative? That's not a phrase. That's yeah. not a that's not a thing. I panicked because you were rolling your eyes and I was like, oh no, I need DJ's validation. So I just <laughs> I just panicked at the end. What I'm saying is this is a shit show. I mean, I guess that plot is, wise. That is kind of better <laughs> than what I said. <laughs> this is the first appearance of the bad Batmobile. Oh yes. Because uh, apparently plot-wise, in Batman Returns, the Batmobile does get damaged. And that's actually part of the plot. The Batmobile yeah. gets damaged. It's always part of the fucking plot. Well, not in the first one. Batmobile's doing good. In fact, they have a checkup in Batman 1. That's true. Where Doesn't something Batman happen in the first one? To, I, could, I could be blending the first and second. Batman just turns to Alfred and says, how's the Batmobile doing around Act 2? And Alfred just gives him the thumbs yeah. up. And he's like, good. I just wanted to follow She's up. She's running smooth. <laughs> says Alfred. In his... Accent though. Um, he slides out from under the Batmobile on one of those like mechanic little slide things, and he's like, <laughs> "Well, she's a he's, court low. <laughs> he's she's doing good, boss." <laughs> Played by a different actor at the time. Hey, can uh, you pass me that monkey wrench? <laughs> I'm covered in grease over here. Um, <laughs> but it's like got a little bat logo on it. No, yeah, bat grease. I mean the bat wrench. Because they don't have monkeys in these universe; Mm-mm. they just have bat themed. Mm-hmm tools but yeah this is batman so they i guess they had to rebuild the batman they decided to make it stupid um (laughs) well it has a lot of lights in it and the theme of this universe is that everything that can have a light has a light slap a light on it look you said machine guns have like rope lights there's a lot of branded stuff here like i can't i think i'm kind of used to seeing 
Batman have branded stuff? You're like, hey, he's a billionaire. He was like, listen, I'm going to have a, a catapult, but it's going to have a bat on it. It's going to be called a batapult. Right? I'm going to have a- these little, what do, what do you call the things he throws? The batarangs. Yeah. I got, I'm going to have a, bo- those aren't even boomerangs though. No. But yeah, he calls them batarangs. But I'm not, I'm, I guess I was kind of surprised by the just amount of branded content. Look, the thing put about, out there by Two Face and the Riddler for that. The matter. thing about Gotham City is that unemployment is sky high, but not. There is one exception if you look at the data: graphic designers. Yeah. They're all doing great in Gotham City because there's always Custom a villain swag. who needs to like <laughs> pop in and paint all of Joker's cars purple and green, paint a yin yang on on uh, Two Face's parachute. It makes perfect sense. I would watch that stylized Art yeah. Nouveau question mark. Beautiful, beautiful. I would, I would watch a office the office type mockumentary <laughs> show about the place that has to put all these branded things out for these villains and superheroes you think you know it's the same people that make batman shit oh, that make thinking, the riddler shit i was thinking it was people. all like freelance 1099s flowing back and forth oh you think that's all independent contractors oh yeah Nah, I, there's got to be a place in in this like perpetually stuck in the 1940s gotham city <laughs> you I, think there's just some guy on a mac at a starbucks there, none of those things exist in this in that's this true there are no starbucks yet <laughs> um i'm also curious about the contractors uh who would put together the escape pod from wayne <laughs> business as you call it um to wayne manor would they would he just shoot them like what's the plan there <laughs> Uh, you you want me to like uh, build a pod? I just want to make sure I got this <laughs> for the schematics. You want me to build a pod? It's gonna come out from under your desk here, Mister Wayne's. <laughs> it's gonna go straight to Wayne Manor, and then underground Wayne Manor. There's a big cavern full of bats. You want me to just have you shoot out there? That's what you want. And you want it to shoot sparks, even though it's functioning correctly. Is you want that to correct? have a speedometer on it, also. Of course, even you though do. it's it's using pretty much gravity at this point. So I mean, it's sort of exponential. But I mean, I can put a speedometer on it. He gets more and more speedometer. Boston the more you talk to him. He's like a perpetual motion machine, but it's a perpetual Massachusetts. I tell machine. you, Mr. Wayne was really insistent upon that speedometer. And he I also, don't know why. He also wanted it bat shaped, but I didn't <laughs> ask many questions about it. Got a little, uh, a little. <laughs> A little Canadian there at the end of it. Well, I mean, I'm just moving more the and Chicago, more. Chicago, maybe. He keeps having to fire the contractor and right, hire a new yeah, one, and he yeah. just keeps moving north and north and north. Uh, um, so Tim Burton produced this, I guess. I think that was his like, name was all over the credits, but not as the director. Joel I think Schumacher. That was the the gesture from the company, like you're not going to be directing this anymore, but we'll give you a producer credit. Yeah, it sounded like. We're just reading a little bit about the background just from IMDb. Not trustworthy at all. But it sounded like it was kind of a mutual. Tim Burton was signed up for the third one, but then was like, you know, I'm good. And they were kind of like, you know, we're good with your shtick as well. And if there's anything I've learned about especially late career Tim Burton is that he's not in it for a paycheck. Yeah, he knows really when to draw the line. Anyway, Dark Shadows 2 next November. Check it out. He really knows when to when people have had enough, you know? (laughs) Um, we got got some big names in this movie that we got to call out. Obviously, Oddly big names. Totally forgot about Codonnell. Oh yeah, uh, as we all call him, Codonnell. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell. This is the this is like the first appearance of Chris O'Donnell, right? Rosie's brother. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. 
Maybe this not This is not ever. the first appearance. He's not like Bigfoot. Like he he wandered out of the Pacific Northwest and like the first appearance. Sorry, of I was Chris thinking O'Donnell. in terms in terms of like you know uh, comic books. You know, you had the first appearance of of Wolverine was in a Hulk comic. Oh, you, know, you mean the is... first appearance of Robin? Well, yeah, it was the first appearance of Robin as well. But was Chris O'Donnell in a bunch of stuff before this? Um, I think so, but I think it was like more. Uh, I, I mean, I think Boys on the is Boys on the Side before this. No, home fries. What's that? Because he was in... That is a potato dish. That's right. Um, But it was a romantic comedy with him and Drew Barrymore, also surprisingly in this movie. Right. Yeah, Droobs. Back-to-back Droobs. Back-to-back Droobs. Did not even know we were doing that. Uh, Obviously, Nicole Kidman, Nikki Kidd, uh, Ed Begley Jr., Makes a weird guest appearance. Well, I mean, Ed Begley Jr. kind of makes sense. He was never, like, super big, but this is, like... A good a good stretch for Drew Barrymore. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Even yeah, at this time it was kinda like somebody was like, We have a almost non speaking role for you and she was like, In Batman? Sure. Like it was clearly right. like sh- they didn't need her she and she didn't need this. She gets a chance to introduce herself and she says, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Her character literally has no name. Yeah. Uh, there's also there's two more I want to bring up. George Wallace, not the segregationist no. governor of Alabama, but the comedian George the Wallace. The opposite of plays that. Plays <laughs> apparently much. the mayor of Gotham City in the circus scene. Yeah. Um, he stands up and says, you know, what do you want, Two-Face? And Two-Face says, I want Batman, who you, I guess presumes to be at the circus. Which, I mean, where, where else would Batman be? <laughs> Um, I, I, mean, never, I mean, he is there, but I'm insulted that you expect me to be. Yeah, it's weird because Bruce Wayne totally is there, but it's also like, why does he think he would be there? Right. You're right. I just wanted you to show your work. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You can't just put your answer down. I just want to make sure this isn't a lucky guess. Um, yeah, so George Wallace plays the um, mayor of Gotham City. And then the biggest one for me that blew my mind was... Um, at one point, Chris O'Donnell steals the Batmobile. Yeah. Um, and he stops it, and three women, presumably uh, sex workers, um, stop him and say, That's not Batman, more like Bat Boy. And I'm like, I recognize these women. Mm. And I looked it up. And fucking never Vogue. gonna get it, never, never gonna, gonna get, get it, it. Never, never gonna, gonna get it, never gonna, gonna get whoa, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So En Vogue is in this movie, inexplicably. Are they on the soundtrack? If you're not knocking, you're losing. And I'm about to die. <laughs> I love En Vogue. You're human. Yeah. I've got two ears and a heart, don't I? <laughs> uh, oh, before we breeze past it, uh, when Chris, the first appearance of Chris O'Donnell in the circus scene, they, I remember this. Bother, there's a couple of things that I remember bothering me as a kid that are rushing back to me as we watch this movie. So, uh, I, as I mentioned, I like this movie, but there I'm I have a surprising number of things that I was like, oh yeah, that was weird. Even when I was a kid, and one of them was they used the same exact shot twice when uh, Dick Grayson, Chris O'Donnell, is like hanging from in the his first scene when he's, he's an acrobat he's so yeah he's, he's doing the acrobat stuff with his parents and his brother and he's like holding on and they just show him like kind of hanging and then looking up yeah they, use the, they don't use two shots of it they use the exact same shot twice and it's very weird it's very noticeable it is it is odd and and when you noticed it i also had a flash to yeah. my noticing it as a child 
it's a weird moment. Okay, so there were kind of a lot of things that I just I had forgotten until we rewatched it, but that fall into that category where they bothered me as a kid, and I'm like, oh yeah. When Robin is staying, when uh, Dick Grayson is staying with Wayne, uh, he is doing laundry. And Alfred's there and he's like, just leave the clothes and I'll do them. And he's like, I'm not used to people waiting on me. So he has these wet clothes and he doesn't throw them in the dryer. He like does this really martial arts based drying technique where Mm -hmm. he like flips clothes around like they're nunchucks and then flips them onto the hanging wire. And then he like, he like uses his feet to like wring something out, which is also gross. But he he, whips something onto his ankle and then like like squeezes squeezes the water out. Onto the floor, onto the bare floor. Yeah. And then he like flip, flips some mop around and mops it up. So he does clean up after himself. I'll give him that. Although, I mean, I feel like there's a dryer right there. These aren't like these aren't like woolen knits. You yeah. can just fucking throw them in the dryer. Put them in the dryer. Sweatpants. You apparently only wear sweatpants, Robin. Just throw them in the goddamn dryer. Yeah. Uh, what I noticed in that scene uh, was that there is a Rembrandt hanging in the laundry room, <laughs> which I appreciated. <laughs> Like, so, he's so rich. He's so rich. Oh, where the fuck am I going to put this thing? Ah, fuck it. Put it in here. Just above the dryer. It is kind of like anybody's laundry room of, like, yeah, in this it's, enormous it's, house. I mean, Wayne Manor is, like, a place that they obviously, like, ah, we got to talk to, you know, some rich the guy historical and see if we can borrow, borrow yeah. his mansion. But laundry room, fuck it. Just find some apartment Just on the film at my aunt's house. It's <laughs> fine. Um, and then, okay, so when... Dick Grayson is like kind of snooping around and he's like, oh, what's this? And Alfred's like, oh, it's a silver closet. Get out of here. And then later. <laughs> Get out of here. And then later, uh, Alfred's like going into the silver closet, and he, which is obviously the entrance to the Batman. Bat, yeah, Bat you cave. don't go into a silver closet for like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he like looks around for Robin and Robin's like upstairs. But then he does this uh, trickery. He like <laughs> jumps down the, uh-huh. the tapestry and then finds his way into the Batcave. But to do that, he goes. Now, when he, <laughs> when he jumps, which I mean, even as a kid, I was like, who the fuck's he saying now to? And wouldn't that alert Alfred to your presence? Well, I think what you're ignoring is that Robin has lost his entire family. And so he's used oh, to saying jeez. Oh, jeez. And probably as, just as he said it, he realized, oh, wow, they're never going to respond. Thanks, DJ. Thanks for bringing that up. They're never going to respond again. They're gone. They're dead. They were killed by Two Face in and the hippodrome of Gotham. Yeah, the, in a tent. The Gotham Hippodrome. They fell down within two years. How old is Robin? He is. I want to say thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still a ward of the state. Yeah, so he's got to be under 18, right? Otherwise they would they would just Otherwise they'd be like, "Get the fuck out of our office. Yeah. Please stop bothering us." Um, yeah, he does yeah, say your parents are dead. Get out of here. This is Gotham City. You know how many parents die in this city? I want to say 16 or 17. We have vigilantes being born every other weekend. Uh I I assume the movie thinks he's 17. Things bother me a kid. I'm still on the list. Oh, uh, sorry. So the Batmobile which is the shitty the Shatmobile. Um, it looks like a vibrator with fins, if I'm being it, honest. It does. And rope lights somehow inside Somehow of it. in there. And then at some point, Robin steals it and mm-hmm. takes it for a joyride. And when he does so, the back fin, there's a single fin on the back of it above the like you know jet engine that's on right. this fucking thing, is all of a sudden two floppy fins. <laughs> 
Yes, originally there's three fins, two on the side and right. then one in the middle. And then all of a sudden when he's driving it around, inexplicably, the, the one in the middle has split into two big old floppy now, The argument is that those fins. are uh, that's a feature, I guess. But like, I don't know what fucking <laughs> feature is. My point is it looks stupid, though. It looks even right. more stupid. It looks stupid, stupid before and now it has yeah. achieved stupider status. Um, My I'll, only reasoning was that if a missile is being shot directly at the fin... Yeah, Why just, you wouldn't just sacrifice the fin, but you hit a button that <laughs> splits the fin open to avoid the missile. But unfortunately, there's no button to reconnect the fin. So you have to there. like wait until you get back to the garage to push them together. Okay, and they, they, they click. They make a yeah, clicking it's sound. Click. Yeah, click. Push it until don't, it clicks. If you don't wait for that click, they're just going to split open again. You're going to look like an idiot. You can, just, you can put a little bit of model glue there if you want. If you want, but then that might affect the splitting if someone again shoots, shoots a missile another missile directly at the fin. Now it doesn't bother me as much for this one because they destroy that ugly uh, Batmobile uh, when Riddler infiltrates. Ooh, but they only get a worse one in the next one if we ever. Yeah, watch that's it. true. Yeah, um, but I I always hate it, and this happens in Batman the Ridge with, in 1989 with Michael Keaton, and it happens in like everyone. They they always destroy the vehicles so quickly, and I remember as a kid being like, oh, let them fly it around for like five minutes before it immediately gets destroyed. <laughs> I remember because uh, in Batman Returns, his Batmobile it doesn't get like destroyed by a villain, but he has to. They he like gets hijack that it, hyper right? narrow alley, and he has to split off the other parts. Yeah, and it's left with so he can't drive it for some reason. I'm like, that's a weird Don't they feature. Hijack it in the first one, or is that in the second? one? That's in the second one that the oh. Penguin hijacks. Oh, it. I know the first one. It's the he's flying the the Batwing right at the Joker. Oh, yeah. the Joker just has the he, fucking revolver that shoots yeah. it down. We talked about that. I'm sure in the uh, in the second one. Then he in the climax he has to get a bat like he gets the bat ski or at least that was the toy that was sold right. to. Me. That's yeah. what it was called, the bat ski, and he uses which is the that Polish to get Batman. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Batsky. It's stupid. It's fucking I'm dumb. Gonna, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna leave that in because I'm proud of it. But yeah, the and then this one gets blown up, and then I think in the fourth one they blow it up again. Batman, the original, is the only one where they don't make a effort to destroy the Batmobile. But they destroy the Bat. They do bes- destroy the Bat plane, which is gorgeous. Yeah, that's just a good a gorgeous plane. plane. A good plane. I don't know if it could actually take flight, but it's a gorgeous plane. Well, there's more things though that I'll get to, like the uh, the wobbly bat head. So at the very end, <laughs> b- uh, before the credits, the, it's Batman and Robin are running towards in the screen in front of the bat signal. And yeah, it's a weird like ending. silhouette thing. And, and Joel then, Schumacher uses it again in Batman and Robin. Yeah. But in this one, it has always bothered me that it, the bat ears are super wobbly so as he's running which i'm sure they would in real life but it's like it's supposed to look cool that's the only point of this fucking you had one job which is to look cool and you look dumb and it's just like it's like (laughs) batman's coming to help you it's just like hey guys be careful batman you say (laughs) sorry there's other stuff but we'll get to it it's a good accent i want to say i want to draw attention to one of the greatest lines in movie history there's two really good ones. There's a lot of really good ones, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, you have Rosebud from Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Is that one? Of the- That's not in this movie. Okay. That's from Citizen Kane. You have What's in the Box from Seven, or as you might know it as C, numeral Seven se- N. <laughs> Wait, you say C, and I'll say Seven, and then you say Okay, N. great. C, seven N. Uh, 
And then you have no more wire hangers for Mommy Dearest. Sure, sure. And then you have in this, and this, I mean, you almost want to say, hey, save this from the climax because it's such a great line. Right. But instead, they use it in the first scene, first which scene. is when the security guard from the bank uh, gets trapped in the vault with Batman. Um, liquid of some kind starts pouring out of the safety <laughs> deposit boxes, uh-huh. I presume. It's a trap laid by Two-Face. By Two-Face. And uh, the security guard, who was not privy to the plan, I might <laughs> add. So he's identifying this right off the bat. He says in what is clearly a dubbed line... Recorded later. Oh no! It's boiling acid! Which is like, why would you need to boil the acid? Is it a specific acid that needs to be boiled to in, in injure people? And, you know, I know that's how you would say it if the acid was boiling and, and you felt that was important, but why is the temperature of the acid really coming into it? Oh no! Acid, I would say. <laughs> Just save yourself a couple. And then syllables. later they do this weird shot. The security guard wears glasses, wears glasses, and he accidentally knocks them into the aforementioned boiling acid. <laughs> they just sink. They do exactly they just, what they would they, do in any liquid. They don't. They don't boil. They don't <laughs> melt. They just sink like they would in water. And it's like, why did you have him? Why did you make an effort to have him knock his glasses off and then? Cut to another shot of his glasses falling into the liquid if they don't do anything that I need to be attentive to. I mean, the whole point of doing that is like if you, you know, your Show hero... Show me how dangerous yeah, this fucking yeah. boiling acid is. Oh, no, it's not only acid, but it will also boil me. <laughs> I'll be blanched. I'll be poached. I'll keep my natural color. Right. It's not like frying. Right. You won't brown. <laughs> I don't want you to think that. No. You'll just... You'll just, of course, you know, cook yourself. You'll be dead. Yeah. Mm. Um, Your yolk will be in the center and the white will sort of solidify around you. There's that whole beginning scene. There's a lot. There's like a lot of like presumably the physics in Gotham are the same. as. <laughs> right. That's a great question. <laughs> um, and it's a it's one that if you had asked me before the movie, I'd say, yeah, yeah DJ, yeah. why the fuck are you asking such a dumbass question? Having watched the movie, I'd say I'd have to get back to you. And it's not just the I'm normal... Running some, I'm running some tests. <laughs> we have a couple experiments going on. It's not just like the normal kind of superhero of like Batman. Batman floats a lot in this, which I'm like, I'm giving you that. But he's Batman. You've got a cape on. I don't know what you're able to do. He's Batman. Sure. And, you know, and even the supervillains, like, you know, they their advantage is they can do things that other villains can't right they're super villains right whether they actually have those right. powers they're not, or not your run-of-the-mill villains yeah it's not like somebody who can float but you know if you like if you showed you know a, a villain jumping in a way that a normal person wouldn't jump i'm not like gonna call you out on that in a superhero movie unless it's you know like egregious but there's a lot of weird things that happen like the so when batman saves the day from this trap in this first scene he uses his grappling hook, his bat battling hook, to <laughs> a, bust through a stone wall, presumably marble. An exterior, exterior wall. Exterior wall. That looks like marble, yes. And then secures on the other side. Mm-hmm. Already weird, because it, A, busts through, and B, secured to the same wall that it just busted through. But, okay, you, it twisted a little bit so that it's a different shape, sure. Maybe, sure. But then... 
the entire weight of the safe is held right. onto that, and then it swings back exactly where it was in the original spot. Right. I mean, the, I feel like, like NASA engineers would like spend months working the calculation <laughs> to do exactly what he did in 30 seconds. It was just such an odd choice. It was like that, a, it's very cartoonish. The whole thing is very right. cartoonish. Yeah. Which as I'm somewhat, I assume the atten- intention, but I think it's like a little bit over the line for me. Right. I mean, it does. I mean, one of the things I struggle with with this movie is like trying not to explicitly judge it against the movies that came before it. Right. But it's so, so consciously jarring to the 1989 Batman and then Batman yeah. returns. It's, I mean, especially with this first scene, it's saying, I am not those movies and different. I need you to yeah. know that immediately. Would they absolutely- oh no, it's boiling acid. It's not like they don't like stretch the laws of physics in those movies. They absolutely do. Certainly. But, they're, they're just they're going farther with this and they're saying we're immediately they're like this is gonna be wacky come along with us or get the fuck out of this helicopter that's crashing into a statue of liberty that has gotham, gotham city written on her helmet gotham statue of liberty why would you use that? am i to presume that this is the only statue of liberty is there one in metropolis too or is there one in metropolis and is there one in new york city or is there no new york city Lot of I think I, I don't, you know, obviously this is a thing that changes over time, but I think in the DC universe, there is a New York, a Metropolis and a Gotham. And I think they're all on the East coast. Are there any DC characters that live in New York city? Um, I believe that there are, but I couldn't tell you what they are. Okay. Are. <laughs> what was the weird grammar? He, he says a weird grammar thing. You would uh, ask me if it was two, wrong. Two against two. When, when Robin says he's going to join him at, in the last scene, he says, well, two against two are better odds. And I'm like, two against two is better odds? Two I want to say it is. It should be is. Because two, two is two against two the phrase, the, yeah. the subject of that sentence? Or is two... E- the word the two number two is, is still a is. singular, yeah. even though it is. So two against two is still whether it's like hyphenated two against two or like quoted, that still is right. That's just bad grammar. I feel like it is anyway. Is I feel it like is R. <laughs> Factory looks great. <laughs> I like movies that are obviously never. <laughs> The person who wrote them has never been inside of an office in their entire life. <laughs> a business. We call it a business. <laughs> there is a scene where um, the early scene, but when we essentially meet Edward Nigma, um, Bruce Wayne is in Wayne Enterprises, his business. Um, and he's walking into a laboratory that's run by Ed Begley Jr. He meets Edward Nigma, and uh, he's off. He's put off by by Nigma's invention, which is the the prototype for this box thing, mm-hmm. a blender you attach to your head. Why would there be any questions? Um, and he says, "No, this is too dangerous." And then as he's leaving, he just says a cursory, "Factory looks great." To everyone else, like, thanks to everyone else factory. who are scientists working in a laboratory, <laughs> this is not what a factory looks like. And this this building is also clearly not a factory. <laughs> it's a giant office built on a waterfall for inexplicable reasons. With turbines. <laughs> turbines underneath it that will eventually kill Ed Begley Jr. 
Oh God. Um, okay. We got a lot to get through. Um, this is the first appearance of nipples on the bat suit. I believe There's it nipples. is. And I mean, we get two bat suits yeah. and we this get a movie. better bat suit later. Mm, better. Uh, you like that bat suit? I mean, I like it without nipples. Yeah, for sure. I like it with or without nipples. You like the ridge? I like the ridge. I don't, I don't like I don't the giant this. bat symbol across the chest with the, the ridges and the lines. And there's weird lines in his yeah. face cowl. I, honest, I don't mind that bat suit. I don't, I don't think I like it better. It gets worse as the, the, in the fourth one. The next one, one I, have, I have problems. But, um, but uh, yeah, in the first, in the, there, there are two suits. And, I mean, they, they upgrade to a prototype in the last, the climactic scene. Yeah. But in the first the one, it's really essentially yeah. based on the the Batman Return suit. Yeah. But he's still like Joel Schumacher was like, got to get some nipples. I on still that. want nipples on it. Yeah. And apparently, according to IMDb trivia, the only source of news that is worse than Fox News, <laughs> uh, an enhanced codpiece. Oh. And uh, a bubble bud. They got to which they get a, a gratuitous shot of. Later. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that I sanction it, <laughs> but there is quite a bit of Jim Carrey buffoonery in this movie. Oh, yeah. No. No one sanctions it. Well, someone sanctioned it because it was it made it into the final I'll tell you who does movie. it. Joel Schumacher. TLJ does not sanction it. Accurate. I, and some shots, you can tell. <laughs> we've done a lot of Jim Carrey lately, and I didn't really think about that when we decided to do this movie, how much what nottery there is. <laughs> <laughs> Tomfoolery? Yes. Skullduggery? Not as much. Mm, well, the character. Oh, yeah. He's full of skullduggery. He skulldugs plenty. <laughs> there are many skulls to be dug. <laughs> yeah, there are. there is a lot of Jim Carrey, and there's a lot of, like... I mean, I think we sort of complain about this with Ace Ventura, and what the fuck other Jim Carrey movie did we do? It wasn't Dumb and Dumber. It wasn't Cable Guy. The Mask. The Mask. That's what it was. Jesus Christ. Whew. But just like those movies, he's sort of like is sort of given a lot of free reign to do what he wants, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it's just like, yeah. why would this person say this thing right now? Um, for example, he uh, he he like slams the box on Two Face's head when they sort of join forces, and he says, "This is your brain on the box. This is your brain off the box." Does anyone else feel like a fried egg? And I'm like, I don't know why you would reference that drug commercial right now. It's very well. It's the same reason. Now he got you with the Weight Watchers commercial in The Grinch. I know. So oh, that's yeah, the we've same, done another fucking Jim Carrey movie this that's year. That's the same exact. Idea. Now it's not. I know. I'm not he wants to. He wants to hook me, and yeah. he wants to get. Now you understood the reference, over. but it didn't land the joke. Right. That's because I'm trying to think bad. of some other because there's it was bad. <laughs> oh yeah, he does the uh, come on, uh, Edward Nigma, come on down. You're the next contestant on Brain Drain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why does this Price is Right reference need to be made right now? Because we're in the middle of. Talking Jim Carrey, I got I got to give him credit for the whole party scene. So later on in the movie, he's trying to brain scan. I have a note about it. I, okay. I agree. Uh, he's trying to brain scan Bruce Wayne. I don't think he suspects he's Batman, but I don't I don't know. What, he just wants to. Well, he I mean, part of his character is that 
He's a, he's obsessed with Bruce Wayne yeah. from when he worked for Wayne Enterprises, but now that he's a villain, he's also like he wants to get the drop on Batman, right. not realizing they are the same entity. Right. And so he dresses like Bruce Wayne. He same haircut, <laughs> same suit. haircut, and then he, at some point he has he has a mole just like Val Kilmer does. He, he checks with Droobs, who's there next to him. He's like, "How's my mole?" And she goes, "Fine." That whole scene is pretty great. No, he does great. Yeah. So, but there are a few moments. Even I, I'm just reminded because you said this, you mentioned this scene where Batman drops through the ceiling inexplicably. Yeah. Um, Edward Nigma turns to Two Face and says, "Your interest was good. His was better." And it was like, did Joel Schumacher say, "Hey, I need you to do this line for the trailer"? Like right. it didn't seem like. Why would you say this? Right. <laughs> Especially when in that scene he is upset with Two Face for robbing his event in the first place. Right. Why would you then offer notes to Two Face and say, "While we're at it, I just want to, you know, give you some feedback, give you some constructive criticism on your yeah. robbing of my event." Yeah. There was a. Co- I will say though, in general. There's there's a couple scenes, especially like when Two Face and Riddler are, are doing the battleship scene. They're like playing battleship right. to to blow up mines because uh, Robin is in the bat boat or whatever you call mm-hmm. it. Batsky is that the Batsky? No, the Batsky is in Batman. Is that Returns. Pavel Batsky? <laughs> um, so he, my mother Desiree, she and, let me come over to America and become vigilante. <laughs> Winged vigilante. <laughs> it's it, sort of Italian and Polish yeah, together. It's garbage. It's is great. what I'm trying to it's say. It's not great. They uh, they they have some fun together. Those characters. I know the actors didn't, but <laughs> it is. I see what they're going for here, right. and there are elements of fun. I will give it that. They they do have a lot of fun. It sort of makes the last scene inexplicable, though. We see these characters together playing battleship for some reason and then not five minutes later we encounter the riddler again he's in in a completely new outfit yeah which is fine yeah but he's also his hair has grown six inches since we seen him he had a crew cut in the battleship scene he has a whole like wolverine style like cowl on top of his head i have some questions yes okay, okay go ahead i'll i'll answer them I'm as gonna, best i can i'm gonna skip I'm going to skip however many times I wrote, why did that just catch fire? Because that, that, is, that is just a general That's question. That's the theme of the movie. Yeah. It, there's a moment when um, Nick, Edward Nygma, Jim Carrey's character, is um, in the, when he first meets Bruce Wayne, he's introducing him to the box. And he puts the – or no, it's after that. He decides to do a human trial of his own. He puts it on his boss, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, before head. it becomes the Riddler outright, yeah. the early scene. Yeah. Yeah. And he decides to test it on him, and, he, and it's like, you know, sucking uh, his Ed Begley's brainwaves and transferring them to. Now, the premise Nygma. of the box initially was. It's like a. Was for entertainment. Yeah. It's like, like a, you attach it to your head, and then yeah. you watch TV, and whatever you're seeing it's like like a becomes 3D immersive. Or interactive something. virtual reality kind of thing. But Enigma claims it's a side effect that. He's absorbing the energy, the the brain range, the knowledge. Right. But he's wearing this giant helmet, and I'm, like, very confused as to if it was truly a side effect. Now, if it was, like, a nefarious thing and he knew this what it, this is what it was the whole time, that's one thing. But it, he, like, seems genuinely like, I didn't know this was going to happen. And then he right. does a bunch of goofy scenery-chewing shit. But it's like... <laughs> Including the Price is Right line yeah. mentioned earlier. Why... Why was there a helmet involved? Yeah, why was there a secondary piece? 
uh, to begin with. And I, I, I want people to know at home, like, I know if you haven't seen this movie, you may not know what we're describing. I, and I want you to know it does not look stupid. It's like if you took a bicycle helmet, glued a blender on top of it, <laughs> filled the blender with packing peanuts like that that's what it looks Mm -hmm. like so it's something that's sort of sleek and like ergonomical and just like logical to build it's got like triangle shaped like neon green tiddlywinks on the side like little (laughs) yeah so it's just like exactly what you would imagine this item to be it doesn't look weird or (laughs) or evil at all or you know dumb it doesn't look like those things it looks like it looks like something that would slip under the radar Question two. At some point, we get a news piece while the characters are watching TV that explains right. how District Attorney Harvey <laughs> Dent. No, sorry. If you can just go again. District I'm Attorney right. I won't laugh this Harvey time. Dent just becomes Two Face. And what happens is in the, in the courtroom. No, yeah, I'm fine. DA Harvey Dent is prosecuting a mob boss. I can't remember his name. And he. some Michael Corleone. Has a beaker of acid boiling or no, we don't know. I don't, yeah, we didn't get the the moderate temperature of the acid. But he throws it in Harvey Dent's face and Harvey half blocks it with a folder, but half of his face is... That he was carrying unopened during his... (laughs) And also, it says, you know, Batman, try to stop. And then we see Batman rise up from the, the... from the from the Gallery. seats of the, of the court, yeah, from behind the defense, I guess, <laughs> to try to stop he was a it. Friend of the monster, and then we were just like, "Wait, was Batman just in the court? Does he go to all the court in cases? costume? Don't you feel? Ri- I mean, you you probably already feel a little ridiculous fighting crime in the costume, especially because you can't move your neck. Um, but then <laughs> now you're just going to public events. Is he in the court? <laughs> Couldn't they have just made it outside? Why did he have to be in the courtroom? <laughs> they had to shoot a courtroom scene with Val Kilmer in full bat gear, and no one stopped anyone <laughs> from doing this. And also, uh, the mob boss, again, Michael Corleone, sure. um, has a beaker of acid just, just on his person? If he's being prosecuted, wouldn't that he be That can like- turn someone into a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers villain? Yeah. He literally looks like Ivan Ooze from the movie. Yeah. This doesn't bother me that much, but also, like, that's not what any skin that's looks not how like. Acid that's not works. how acid works. Um, acid burns you. It doesn't make you purple. <laughs> it doesn't turn you into a Kool-Aid yeah. monster. That Honestly, that doesn't bother me. I'm like, fine. Whatever. All right. I mean... I mean, in the animated series, he is like baby boy blue, like a, right. like a yeah. expecting father came in and painted half of Two-Face's face. Well, yeah, and, and in... Uh, the Dark Knight, when he is like more realistically kind of burned, it's also like, Ugh. and also like, who's wetting your eyeball? You have no eyelids left. Yeah. Does someone just come in with like a spray bottle and just like, just keep it moist? This isn't so much a question as, <laughs> as a uh, a funny moment. Um, so, Dick Grayson gets dropped off by Commissioner Gordon. Like, you're gonna have you. Thanks for agreeing to take him in, Mr. Wayne. You know, <laughs> right? And. As soon as he leaves, Commissioner Lee Gordon leaves, Dick Grayson is like, I'm out of here. I just told him I would stay here. I don't – I'm going to go fucking kill Two-Face. I don't have time right. for this bullshit. And I remember then, that that rated R quote from this <laughs> PG-13 movie. And then as he walks out, Bruce Wayne and Alfred give each other the nod as, <laughs> as they're about to enact this plan, which I call the Burgers and Bikes plan, which – 
they've apparently done before because they knew exactly what to do is because Robin's got a he's got a bike. He's a he's a yeah. motorcycle. Cycle. And they start man. talking about Mike and, and uh, they start talking about bikes. And uh Robin's like, Oh yeah, you hang out on a lot of biker bars, Bruce. And then he's like, Why don't you come fill up in the garage? You're almost on empty. Then he goes in there and he sees Bruce Wayne has got a shitload of nice motorcycles. Mm-hmm. He tries to convince him to like stay and like help restore them. Well, he doesn't say that explicitly. Bike. He's yeah. like, oh, whoever could restore this this damaged bicycle. I mean, no. Bicycle, sorry, get out of here. <laughs> sorry, motorcycle. A bicycle with a motor on it. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's like, if, you know, if someone could, you know, fix it, they could probably you know, have it as a gift, which then is like, well, you just give the broken one to them now because you obviously aren't using it and you are willing to give it away the minute it's fixed. He's kind of like, well, and then Alfred comes out with a, a really nice looking burger on mm-hmm. a platter. And then he's like, Oh, he's not staying with us. I guess I'll just throw this to the dogs, <laughs> <laughs> which did make me laugh. I will it was a say nice one, two punch. Alfred has, they've, they've done with this with all the other Robins. <laughs> Jason Todd, he couldn't resist the burgers and bikes plan. I love those burgers. R.I.P. 99. How did the brain things end up in Two-Face's lair when Riddler first shows up there? They were already two of the blender, mini blenders, the boxes, in there. You've brought up a great point, which is one of this um, movie's major flaws, which is saying (laughs) something because this movie is rife with them. Um, Blocking is a problem in this movie. We we see, I mean, Two Faces in his lair with Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazar, former Madonna friend, mm. which is something that a lot of women can say, actually, former Madonna friend. Oh, does she defriend um, a lot of people? Oh, yeah. Like, oh. every Madge. season. like the, the Come on, Madge. The trees come into bloom and Madonna, like, <laughs> acrimoniously ends friends. a friendship. <laughs> Um, they, uh, they're feeding him dinner, including raw donkey meat for the evil half of Two-Face. And in the background, you see, uh, the Riddler come in doing some fantastic cane work, I have to admit. Ugh, the cane work on this guy. Was worth it. He's like a wicker chair with all this cane work. (laughs) Um, and that's it. He's got a cane in hand and a derby on his head, and that's about it. Uh, but then later on, he's, he wants to show the box, and he sort of sachets in his very Jim Carrey way up to a pillar with just two of these boxes on it, the, the, the evil scheme MacGuffin boxes of the movie that's like, you know, 200 feet into the layer. So it's like, did he from. have an assistant come in and say, oh, we got to get these boxes in place before we, before we head out? He had them shipped. To Two Face, okay. just open them, and it just—I've got a little map of your layer. If you could just place them here and here, that's where I'm going to sashay. Now I have quite a few notes left, but we got—we got to start wrapping we have this so up. So many. Okay, notes. so all right, hit your hit your highlights. Okay, I'm going to go to my big points, which is okay. uh, as I said, like I had trouble like trying to appreciate this as a movie outside of the 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 movies that were to come before it, Batman and Batman Returns. Um, and I guess I'm not saying that there can't be a campy version of batman that makes it to the screen i certainly appreciate it more than the so actively uncampy batman that that is currently being foisted upon us by ben affleck and the like but this movie wants to be absolutely like cartoonish while also being like armchair psychologist at the same time one of the running themes is the absolute worst like just half-assed psychology of we all wear masks. 
fuck off. Uh, I want to read some faux intellectual lines from the movie. Your memories are trying to break through. Don't fight them. Bruce Wayne brings up his parents' death on a first date with Chase Meridian, Mm. who, by the way, her apartment looks like she's staying in, like, the Belfry of Shark Cathedral. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Which is also her office? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of great questions there of where she, her office and apartment look her, almost identical. Her office, office is in like the headquarters of the New York Public Library, too. <laughs> this really elaborate gothic thing. There's a ghost in the basement that Peter Venkman's trying to vanquish. Uh, and then there's this great line during the like Tim Burton drag section of the, uh, of Bruce Wayne, like having to break down his like parents' wake. Mm. Um, where he grabs like his dad's diary and runs out into the forest and falls through a goddamn bat pit. Uh, at one point he says, and this is a line that I could not stop laughing. I was like vomiting laughter where you sort of try and stop and then it just <laughs> comes up again. He says this, and I'm sure there's a way to say this that makes sense. Right. But that's not what Val Kilmer opted right. to do. I was scared at first, but only at first. <laughs> it's like when you're you wrote an email real quick and then you just like, maybe I should read it before I send it off. And you're like, you realize that, Oh, you said something twice, but I feel I like scared you, at first, but only at first. That's what at first means. But you, you delivered it better than he did. Cause he, <laughs> cause if you say I was scared at first, but only at first you're emphasizing right. only at first. And I so just it makes sense. I just want to reiterate the idea that it was only at yeah. first and later and then this changed. I wasn't scared. Right. But let me give it the Val Kilmer tre- yeah, treatment. Yeah, there you go. I was scared at first, but only at first. I still think Is you're giving better? it too much. Okay, okay let me let, just get, let me one more pass. Don't, don't give any emphasis to the word only. I think <laughs> that's the problem. I was scared at first, but only at first. Yeah, there you go. That's a little better. That's closer. So yeah. what you, I'm saying, what I'm hearing is I can finally play volleyball with Tom Cruise. <laughs> okay, what else you got? Uh, that's actually it. That's my big thing. Like, I want to, I want to be able to appreciate this movie for this movie. Like, lays out initially. Like, this is what this movie is. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the credits are literally attacking us at one point. <laughs> yeah, the opening do, credits. Like, They're zipping at us. Um, I have to but oh sorry again this movie also like wants to be taken seriously yeah and it's exhausting they yeah yes um we have and to, it also feels like it wants to relitigate what like we talked about in the first batman movie not we but we as a culture i mean bruce wayne already sort of went through his parents death in that movie and it feels like a lot of this is like oh but there was more because at their wake i grabbed my dad's diary which we never learn anything about the significance of that diary, just that he grabs it. Um, well, and I see a bat once. I mean, I think there's obviously still, you know, like a story there because like his whole, the whole reason Batman exists is because this is a huge trauma that he can't deal with, you know? Sure. Like it's not a healthy, normal thing to be so affected by your parents' murder that you spend all of your resources <laughs> to dress up like a bat and right. fight crime. And with bouncy ears on top of your helmet. Um, But they don't do that. And it also is odd that he, like, he makes the, I mean, that's part of the the thing is that, like, he's feels forced into this life. And he also is trying to stop uh, Robin from getting into this life. Right. But then the climax is all about how he chooses to be Batman. 
Whereas I feel like the whole movie is like pointing out like how unhealthy it is that he is Batman. Yeah. But we all don't. It's almost like they should have just killed him. And then he just shows up in Paris with Anne Hathaway later on. (laughs) And it's like, oh, he finally worked through those demons. Good on you. But then we just. But then we can't have any more movies. Yeah. We have to recast the whole character. But then we have no more Batman, which is (laughs) not what we want. Sure. Uh, we have to quickly touch on the sound soundtrack of this movie because it's huge. Right. It was huge when it came out. We've got uh, we got some offspring in there. Yes, uh, we got hold me, touch me, spin me, bop it, <laughs> <laughs> bop it, twist it. Now you're playing Simon. Kiss me, kill me by you two. Yes, and of course, kiss by a rose. Kiss by a rose. Don't forget C. the flaming lips, but mostly kiss by a rose. My friend, my personal friend, who I've had exactly one conversation with, Seal. Ooh, what did you say to him? We talked about Ableton, which is a piece <laughs> of music software. And at the time, I have used it since, but at the time that this happened, I didn't know anything about it. So I just sort of was like, uh-huh. Well, <laughs> oh, he was just, he was talking extensively we, about well, Ableton. Uh, well, uh, my bandmate what, does know the software. So they were talking and I was kind of like, yeah, when you push the button, the light comes on. And still just looks at you and then turns back to And then to he goes friends. back to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, that's about it. No, but he was, he was, he was nice. And... uh sings a song that I do not like very much, but figures prominently only in the credits of this movie, but they used it, what, in the trailer? Or was there, like, I mean, shots it was, of this movie? I feel like it was the big single of this yeah. thing. Um, yeah, this was, like, I mean, I feel there like this is too, very peak, uh, peak 90s soundtrack, where yeah. it's just, like... I mean, there's a scene in this movie where it switches songs just like halfway through. Yeah. I mean, it's actually the when Robin's on his joyride, there is the offspring song and then abruptly changes to what I would presume. And we can fact check this. What I presume is an En Vogue song, because then all of a sudden En Vogue is there. And it's like, why is En Vogue here? Why did the song suddenly change? Oh, probably they their manager was like, you will play their song (laughs) when they're on screen. Even if it's fucking weird, because it even if it's problem. jarring and unnatural, um, yeah. I mean, this is a weird moment in soundtracks because I don't feel like we're in this period anymore. I almost feel like we're getting away from well, like Guardians of the Galaxy did that, but it was like it like they wove it into right, the but they narrative. weren't like songs written for this movie right, or right, like right, yeah, consigned yeah. to this soundtrack. I see what you mean. So like they're like this is a soundtrack. Right. I mean there are and Batman and Robin is even worse because you get Jules Foolish Games, you get a Smashing Pumpkins song, you get an R. Kelly song just titled Gotham City. Mm. It's garbage. Um, it was really peak. Like we got to get in on the soundtrack market. Yeah. And now I don't feel like that's as much of a factor anymore. You might yeah, have definitely. one song so that someone can be in contention for best original song at the Oscars, right, yeah. but not to the point where it's like, we got to get 16,000 artists on this soundtrack or else what's the fucking point? Yeah. That's and probably because people don't buy CDs anymore. I mean, that's part of it. They're not, they're going after the singles anyway. So yeah. What do you think about these villains? Cause they're both on like 10. <sighs> what do I think about like the way they're portrayed in this movie or what do you mean? I think the problem with these two villains is they both want to be the Joker. They both are like really coming in hot. They're both wacky and zany and like trying to be silly. And it's like, you can't both be the Joker. (laughs) One of you has to like lay low. And I feel like they hired Tommy Lee Jones and I kind of, 
I want to say this with a grimace on my face so you can really understand it. I'm kind of into Tommy Lee Jones's characterization of Two-Face. Like, it's stupid and at times, like, very cringy. But, like, he's doing something that's kind of, like, fun. Like, he does, like, turn his face and will act like Harvey Dent and very, like, fastidious. And then yeah. the other side, he'll just, like, growl and grimace and be crazy. But then the minute they hire Jim Carrey, who apparently, if I am to be trivia, is to be believed, he wasn't their first choice. So it seems like they were like, they they brought another guy who's going to bring the exact same energy that Tommy Lee Jones is. And it just becomes just like this like a mug avalanche yeah. of like goofing and face contorting. I get what you're saying. I, I think you. that they could have done a lot more with the sort of Harvey Dent because like it's supposed to be kind of a struggle for him. That's why he uses the coin. And he, while he right. does play with the... You know, straight, Although it doesn't I'm, seem to be hard and fast rules. No, it's not. Uh, and nothing in comics is. But like, you right. know, he's he's like kind of, he, as you mentioned, he kind of uses it like just as a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm serious. Oh, I'm crazy. But then at the very end, right before he dies, mm-hmm. he um, Batman's like, you have to flip a coin. You can't just kill us. Aren't you forgetting something? You One forgetting of my something? favorite yeah. tropes in movies. And then he says, well, of course, Bruce, you've always been a good friend to me. And it was like, what the fuck is this character? Like, right. what are we talking about? Now they could, I think that could have worked had they like hit on that a little bit more, like mm-hmm. trying to hit on his human side. And then, and then there would have been a little bit something more, or at least a little bit different to that character than what was coming from Jim Carrey's. And like, also the thing that, bothered me a little bit about this being sort of the Riddler's origin story because other than seeing that snippet in the ridiculous courtroom scene we don't really <laughs> it's not Two-Face's origin story he's just there he's like right. fully formed he's already there. super villain he's go- good to go whereas this is Edward Nigma becoming the Riddler he's real quick to villainy though yeah he's already like 85% villain yeah he's like start obsessed with Bruce Wayne and I think there's a there's a interesting thread there but they just kind of like they it's the movie so packed, like they don't have they right. don't have the beats for that. Whereas I feel like Two Face, like if he and Harvey Dent were friends, like yeah. that is the interesting story. I mean, right. I feel like two I mean, feel like uh the Dark Knight at least attempted this where, right. you know, here have these two people have a previous you relationship, know, relationship yeah. and then like have this, you know, traumatic event cause one to go off the rails but we already start with him off the rails and we just keep getting hints like we just keep getting hints like oh he was so good before here's a weird clip of him getting acid thrown in his face but he was really great and we don't get an idea of what harvey Dent was before so we don't get an idea of like how traumatic it is that two faces is here yeah so it's just kind of a couple people mugging at each other yeah but you know for what from what the movie is like the, the the campy direction it went in, I don't know. As a comic book fan, you're kind of like the more villain thing is. I mean, that's why they do it. It's because you're just like, oh, I know that. You know right. what I mean? And so you're like, two, I know that's is better than one. And I think before but, before everyone had to sign on for six movies because we're right. into a multiverse. You know, they were like, I don't know if we're ever going to get a chance to do Two Face, so bring him in here too. Exactly. Yeah. So there's kind of like, and I think that's why they started doing more and more villains, and it gets kind of ridiculous because then the, there's like too many yeah. to do anything. Then with. you've got Bane and Poison Ivy and Mr. Yeah. Well, and that's that's like that's like all the way over the edge, right? And I, you hit on something when we were about to watch the movie about how, like, the reason in Batman Returns that 
they had two villains was just because Catwoman is not she is a villain, but she's more of a like you said, an anti hero. She's like an anti hero. Yeah. She's kind of in the in the middle. She's not going to be like, and she's someone who like see like the audience seeks redemption for her. So, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't. She's not the penguin. She's not completely gone. Yeah, and so the penguin is is the kind of the true foil, and she's kind of there in between working with him, but also helping mm-hmm. Batman here and there. So it's kind of like that made sense. And then here they just had two villains. Just to have two villains, and they don't seem to—they're not completely antithetical to the as uh, to each other as they are later in in Batman and Robin. Poison yeah. Ivy and Mister Freeze have literally incompatible views of what they want to achieve. Right. Um, but this one is just like, oh, they're here, and they—you know—Edward uh, Enigma needs Two Face to help him to learn how to rob things so he can fund yeah. his giant blender brain thing. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's definitely more towards the sort of thing they used to do on the old television show, just like right. every all the villains hanging out together and plotting to. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the verse. Let's let's do that. Damon. Was your inner child an idiot? Is your inner child an idiot? I guess it doesn't need to be past tense. Are is, your inner child are, an idiot? Are your inner child's ends and idiots? Is, Thank you. My inner child will have been to which an idiot. Uh, this is a mess. There's part of me that does say, I will say, like, if you want to sit down and enjoy a bad movie this is a bad movie to enjoy it is kind of fun to watch and it's sort of just complete failure to garner any (laughs) like achieve anything it seems to be setting out to do um but it is kind of a hoot to watch but it is not a good movie it wants to be intellectual and it is not an intellectual (laughs) movie um, and it wants to have interesting villains and it just has a big like wall of sound, the Phil Spector of villains. Um, it's, it's a wall of villains <laughs> as far as the eye can see. What did you think? You're a Batman aficionado. Um, which is my favorite magazine, by the way, <laughs> Michael Douglas on the cover and he's got a, a little Ooh, Batman between, between his two fingers. fingers. <laughs> Uh, you're in child is an idiot. I agree with you. I agree with you that so some of these movies where we go, we look back on them, a lot of them, a lot more than I prefer, are real fucking slog to get through. Yeah. Like I am like checking stuff on my phone. I'm like I can't. I'm having a hard time paying attention because it's a slog. And this while this is on the long side, this is like two. This hours. was surprisingly. You paused it at one point. I'm like thirty fucking minutes left. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and. That's why one of the reasons we have so much to say about it. Um, it's pretty fun. Like it does, it does serve. I don't know if this is the intended purpose, but it does serve a purpose of being like a campier. And like we said, there, you know, the the two characters, Two Face and Riddler, are kind of having fun at some point. There's they're definitely eating the scenery, which yeah. is good when you have to break down the sets. There's a lot of goofy acting. No one really like other than Jim Carrey doing his Jim Carrey thing, right? And if you hate that, then you should not ever watch this because it's not even like a 
the good side of the Jim Carrey. There's yeah, not, it's not. It's pre Truman Show Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's not. It's not his best work. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's some highlights, but and then Tommy Lee Jones is like going full camp, and Valkymer's fine. Valkymer is almost forgotten. Yeah, he's he's no Michael Keaton, uh, right? But he. D- I think a lot of the Batman movies have this problem. It's the opposite of like the MCU where like the villains are, or the villains are flat, but the heroes are so well fleshed out. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of opposite problem in the Batman universe where sometimes people kind of forget about Batman as far as like making him interesting. They make him, you know, brooding or, or have cool toys or whatever, but they don't make him like all that compelling all the time. Sometimes they do, but like, so this is one where he's really flat and Val Kimmer didn't do anything to help that. I don't know yeah. that I don't know that's entirely his fault, but like it's just kind of flat. He's just there. Michael Keaton has like that very like that specific energy where yeah. he seems kind of charming, but he also seems like he's like like one cog is not working yeah, correctly brings, in his brain. There's like a little like totally. you don't know what you're going to get in the next second. Absolutely. And so you can definitely buy him as like a charming playboy who might also have a really fucked up past. Yeah, because it's fucking weird to be Batman. And so, like, I think, and I, I think Michael Keaton just has that energy. I don't know yeah. that it. He's just got a sort of a manic energy that yeah. also feels like it's being like held down, like an under a. It's like a pressure cooker feeling, like right, like he's sort of jittering at every moment. Yeah. I mean, that is something, especially in this era where like alter egos is like the MCU has sort of done away with alter egos yeah. in a way. Um, but a lot of times when people portrayed superheroes in this era, it was like, well, they they play it, at least for me, like, oh, they they're a really good Batman, but they're not a good Bruce Wayne. Right. Like Christian Bale, I feel like, is a really good Bruce Wayne. He really sells this idea like of being a playboy and being kind of like a fuck up, almost like a Donald Trump Jr. type. Right. Just like yeah, carousing with girls and like getting drunk in restaurants and acting like a jackass to the point where like, well, no one would think this guy's right. Batman. Yeah. Uh, it makes perfect sense. Whereas Michael Keaton, I feel like, plays the Batman part of Bruce Wayne really well. Whereas I don't necessarily buy that anyone would think this guy's an international playboy. Right, right. Um, and I think the same thing with like Christopher Reeve. Like he plays a really good Superman and his Clark Kent is a little bit like so Boy Scoutish, but also like his shoulders are the, like. <laughs> Like if I were on my side, like that's how broad his shoulders are. It's insane. <laughs> um, but Val Kilmer really brings nothing to this role. He doesn't, and come he to do plays either. Bruce yeah. Wayne and Batman almost literally the same. Same true to the point where, like, when he's in his scenes with Chase Meridian, who we've barely brought up, which yeah. the movie also seems to be completely uninterested with her. She's really like horny, <laughs> horned up, like horned up for Batman and Bruce Wayne you simultaneously. Know, go get it. You know, like, I mean, sure. Good for you. She, she sees what but she wants. But that seems to be her entire her purpose. personality, yeah. It's like, hey, I'd like to talk about masks as a metaphor, but I also really want to get down to Pound Town yeah. with whoever is around. Bruce Wayne, Batman, either of you, anyone? Uh, so I mean, whoever's the movie not doesn't here do, right now. The movie does her no favors. No, yeah, I think Nicole Kidman is fine as like the, yeah. as far as acting goes. Like she, she's fine. Um, but yeah, Val Kilmer isn't doing anything. Yeah, he he is not playing them as different characters. He's just like, I will say my lines as a human would say them, and I'm like, thank you. And then he gives a <laughs> weird job. goony smile in that one scene. Yeah, they got the bat smile because when he finds out that Chase Meridian finally has fallen for Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's a shame. I'll, I'll head out. And he turns around, and while the camera's looking at him, he 
smiles like not a smirk, which I would have been fine with, but like a broad, like 15 year old boy smile. Like it's really awkward. Well, I, I'm not going to pretend like as a kid, I was like, well, this is a fun, campy, different take on Batman. I liked this movie. So that's I like why the hyper gay yeah. Gotham city they've built here full of naked <laughs> men hitting things. And just Jim Carrey air humping a lot <laughs> with a cod piece. Uh, so I classic DJ. <laughs> he knows what he likes. So that's why I gotta go. Your inner child is an idiot because, like, this is not good. Like, do yeah. not do not come to this for good. However, if you're here for bad, we can talk. Maybe it's gonna it's it's pretty fun. What so do you wait, think? What is our verdict? I'm I'm going. Idiot. Is this a mistrial? <laughs> I'm going idiot. Okay, I guess I'll go idiot. But yeah. you know, check my footnotes. Yeah, show your work. <laughs> What do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. Uh, you can call us and leave a voicemail. Tell us what else you want us to talk about. 615-576-0525. We'll play your message on the show. Uh, you can find us on all the social media, uh, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the uh, Instagram. You can become a patron of the show. Yeah. Support us. Help us make it. Patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Casual. Or just go to your inner child is an idiot.com. It's going to redirect you. It's um, called a 301 redirect. Fucking look it up. <laughs> we want to thank our current patrons, including Jacob Grimm, Corey Cummings, Brandon Hardy, Christine in Brooklyn, His Honor the Mayor, Jeremy Powlin, Joshua Nicholson, Karen Curd, Larissa Maestro, Tim McIntyre, what are you doing here? Ghosts in the Burbs. And of course, Jonathan. Thank you all very much. And our other patrons, we really appreciate your support. Batman. Batman, you should be. <laughs> a funny accent that